Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Hoffer, an aspiring church historian, and this is The Baptist Heritage, a podcast where we explore the origins of the Baptist denomination against a broad ecumenical movement from the 16th century to present day. As we move chronologically from the late 1500s, we'll be highlighting important events and personalities in Baptist history. Episode 2, Dissenters and Separatists. On the last episode, we left off discussing the growing Puritan movement under the Elizabethan settlement and her distaste for religious nonconformity. She is famously alleged to have said that she had, quote, no desire to make windows into men's souls. Nevertheless, she expected uniform outward compliance to the Church of England, that is, the Anglican Church. It became clear that she would not tolerate the Protestant extreme of Puritanism nor any Catholics who put Roman allegiance over her settlement. The latter group especially was thrust into turmoil after the Queen was excommunicated by Pope Pius V in 1570. The Pope not only condemned Elizabeth, but also released English Catholics from allegiance to her and forbade them to attend Anglican services. Those with devoutly Catholic sentiments were in the precarious position of having to choose between allegiance to the Pope or to the Queen. Many Catholics, however, took the middle road and accepted Anglican practice. On the Protestant side of the spectrum, there were also those with intense religious views that were dissatisfied with the extent of Elizabeth's reform. We must recall that many of the exiles under Bloody Mary Tudor fled to places like Geneva, Frankfurt, and the Netherlands, places where Calvinism and Reformed theology had made more inroads. Upon their return to England under Elizabeth, they began to disseminate the Reformed views of continental Europe. The result was that some wished for a more Calvinistic style of reform than Elizabeth was willing to concede. Thus, a satisfaction rose within the Anglican order, not wishing to break with the church, but purify it from within. They were, of course, called Puritans. We now come to another group called Separatists. As we will eventually see, it is from this group that the Baptist denomination, properly called, will have its beginning. Separatists arose from those who rejected the relics of Catholicism remaining in the Church of England, and therefore broke communion with the establishment. Naturally enough, they were called Separatists. Placing the date of the Separatist movement is a bit more challenging than that of its Puritan counterpart. The historian Walter Burgess rightly observes, quote, There was probably never a time in English history when men and women interested in matters of religion did not foregather apart from the services of the official church to confer by speech or reading about the matters that touched their lives most closely. End quote. An entire podcast could be dedicated to various nonconformist groups of the late medieval period that challenged the institutionalized church. The followers of John Wycliffe, the 14th century English reformer, were driven underground for criticizing papal primacy and church hierarchy. Afterwards, similar Protestant sentiments were felt in Bohemia with Jan Hus and his followers. For ease of discussion, we will focus on a definition of separatism limited to independent illegal congregations meeting in England about the time of 1550 onward. A clerical letter from Bishop Grindal in 1568 
details the existence of these independent congregational meetings. Quote, Some London citizens of the lowest order, together with four or five ministers, have openly separated from us, and sometimes in private houses, sometimes in the fields, and occasionally even in ships, they have held their meetings and administered the sacraments. Besides this, they have ordained ministers, elders, and deacons after their own way. End quote. These private congregations, called conventicles and also prophesyings, were not tolerated by the ecclesiastical authorities. An order of the Queen in 1576 states, quote, In sundry parts of our realm, there are no small number of persons presuming to be teachers and preachers of the church, who, contrary to our laws, devise, imagine, propound, and put in execution new rites and forms in the church, end quote. Spies were stationed in every parish and put under oath to report every act of noncompliance. The same year, there is an account of a group of 100 believers that organized a meeting to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a rented private room. The authorities got wind of the meeting and broke it up, sending most of those in attendance to prison for up to 12 months. This is but one small instance of many persecutions the Queen imposed upon people who wished to worship God freely and according to their conscience. Even though Reformation principles were beginning to have a sweeping influence throughout Europe in the 16th century, there was much of religion that remained tyrannical. The true nature of liberty of conscience was very little understood then in the world. To gain a better understanding of the nature of these independent congregations, it will be helpful to give a biographical sketch of four separatist leaders, Robert Brown, Francis Johnson, John Robinson, who was the father of the Pilgrims, and John Smith. Robert Brown is generally regarded as the leading figure of separatism. His name became synonymous with the movement, and subsequent separatists were dubbed Brownists, whether or not they were associated with Robert Brown a lamentable occasion given the controversy with which he was embroiled. There are a number of religious pamphlets from the late 1500s that attack these brownists. Among these are titles such as A Meditation Tending to Still the Passions of Unquiet Brownists or A Plain Confutation of a Treatise of Brownism. To show that the term brownist had become a derogatory label for all separatists, we could look at another work entitled an apology or defense of such true Christians as are commonly but unjustly called brownists. Thus, history has entered upon its pages the term brownism, for better or worse. But what did the man do, we might ask? Robert Brown was born around 1550 in a small village in Rutlandshire, England. His family was well off, and he was related, though somewhat removed, to William Cecil, who would become the chief advisor to Queen Elizabeth. He attended Cambridge in 1570, graduated with a BA in 1572, and began teaching religion to school children. It was during this time that Brown began to articulate his concern for, quote, the woeful and lamentable state of the church. He started to act on his conscience, disseminating nonconformist ideas and participating in conventicles. Thus, he was relieved of his teaching post and chastened by the authorities. Brown taught that, quote, Pastors should not be appointed by bishops, but local churches should elect their own pastors, end quote. 
This is known as congregationalism, a mode of church government in which the congregation, and not a divine hierarchy, has authority. Thus, Brown is also called the founder of congregationalism, which we will explore at length in our discussion of the religious landscape of colonial America, a subject for a later podcast. In 1581, he relocated to Norwich, where he was arrested for stirring up a revolt against the established church. In a letter to Lord Burghley, Elizabeth's advisor and Brown's relative, the Bishop of Norwich states that Brown was, quote, delivering unto the people corrupt and contiguous doctrines, end quote. Furthermore, vulgar sorts of people were, quote, assembling themselves to the number of a hundred at a time in private houses and conventicles to hear him, end quote. Much trouble began to follow Brown, who was frequently imprisoned and always at odds with the religious authorities for his criticisms of the Anglican Church. According to the 17th century church historian Thomas Fuller, who knew Brown personally, he, quote, used to boast that he had been committed to 32 prisons in his lifetime. Forced to leave England, Brown and his congregation moved to the Netherlands in 1582, where he published a defense of separatist views entitled, A Treatise of Reformation Without Tarrying for Any. Another reason Brown is regarded as a leading separatist is because he was among the first dissenting leaders to relocate his congregation to Holland, spawning a sort of exodus of religious refugees, including the pilgrims. Isaac Bacchus, a church historian, notes that, quote, the rulers in Holland established such religious liberty as was not then enjoyed in any other part of Europe. From the Netherlands, Brown published over a thousand copies of his book, many of which were shipped and circulated back to England. Two Englishmen, John Coppin and Elias Thacker, were sentenced to death in 1583 for dispersing Brown's book. At their hanging, at least 40 copies of his book were burned. Afterwards, Queen Elizabeth issued a proclamation in which she condemned, quote, sundry, seditious, schismatical, and erroneous printed books set forth by Robert Brown, end quote. She added that anyone in her realm possessing or distributing writings against the Anglican Church would face severe punishment. In the Netherlands, Brown's congregation quickly fell into quarreling, and the whole affair caused much dissension and embarrassment. Surviving accounts of the quarreling portray the pastor as ill-tempered and overbearing, even to the extent that some historians have concluded that he suffered from an emotional disorder. Facing schism, a portion of the Brown congregation migrated first to Scotland and then back to England. Returning home on English soil in 1585, the restless Robert Brown recanted his former teachings and signed a statement agreeing to give up his attack of the establishment and be returned into the Anglican communion. He served the Church of England for the remaining 40 years of his life, while elsewhere, disciples of his teachings were heavily persecuted a strange reversal of events for which he was heavily criticized and probably resented. In the eyes of his separatist contemporaries, he had betrayed them, allowing followers like Coppin and Thacker to go to the gallows while he lived in relative comfort. Several of his critics took to writing against Brown to expose his hypocrisy. One such account states, quote, Although some others have been hanged for his heresies, he hath not only been content to let them go, but there was no show of that heroical spirit which he would have you see in his writings, end quote. 
This reversal of religious opinion is one of the reasons the nickname Brownist carried such a derogatory tone and was resisted by other separatists. It remained apparent, however, that Brown himself, though returned to the fold, retained his position about the true conception of the church and the corruption of the Anglican order. So we might ask ourselves, what is the contribution of Brown to the faith, Baptist or otherwise? Well, he is important for at least three reasons. One, his influence was such that, for better or worse, his very name became synonymous with separatism. Two, he is widely recognized as the founder of a congregational style of church government, which was a radical break from the hierarchy of Catholic and Anglican churches. And three, despite his recusal, he helped further the cause of nonconformity, and nonconformity was essentially the infant stage of religious liberty. His book, A Treatise of Reformation, formulated the principle, quote, a free church and a free state, end quote. This principle, which was universally repudiated in his lifetime, is assumed as the normal for many Christians today. What are some takeaways from today's episode? Well, the separatists went a step further than the Puritans by holding independent illegal congregations. Robert Brown is considered by many the leading figure of separatism. Brown is also considered the founder of Congregationalism. Brownist became a historical term to describe the movement, though many separatists rejected it. Religious freedom, or the separation of church and state, was simply not the way things had been for almost a millennium, and Robert Brown thought that that ought not to be, as he explained in his book, A Treatise of Reformation Without Tarrying for Any. And lastly, that God can and will use the contributions of imperfect persons to effect changes that bring about spiritual reform such as religious liberty. In the words of Robert Brown, the Lord's people is of the willing sort. On the next episode, we'll look at Francis Johnson, another separatist leader who played a role in furthering the cause for religious freedom. We'll also talk about King James, the King James Bible, and other separatist groups that packed up and headed for the Netherlands. I want to say thank you to everyone who has supported the podcast so far. If you feel inclined, please leave a review. It will help others find the show. And as always, thank you for listening and peace be with you.